Iowa everywhere. John Miller is back with reaction from this week's game. Only on Iowa Everywhere. From the Channel Seat Studios, it's Hawkeye Sundays. Hawkeye Reaction Podcast following Iowa's uh, 12-10 loss to Minnesota. One week after they beat Wisconsin in Madison, and we were all feeling really good, and truthfully, I was. I mean, any win against Wisconsin in football in Madison, uh, at least over the last 30 years, is a reason to feel good, a reason to feel you accomplished something. And while Wisconsin is not a top 25 team this year, uh, it's still a big win. But then, as we said last week in the Reaction Podcast, Iowa still had five more games to play. And I said that it wouldn't surprise me if Iowa lost any one of those games, considering how horrible their offense is. Doesn't mean I didn't say I'd be not be disappointed, but I wouldn't be surprised. So am I surprised that Iowa lost today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, there's going to be a lot of people uh, on the talk radio shows on Saturday night, uh, on during the week, on message boards that are absolutely going ballistic over that call that wiped away Cooper DeGene's incredible punt return. I mean, that was one for the absolute ages, frankly. And um, I am disappointed that that touchdown was overturned by what appears to be a really bad call by the officials. So make no mistake, I want to say it again, I'm not happy about that. I wish that play stood, it should have stood, and Iowa should have won that game because of it, okay? However, I also feel that the outcome is what Iowa deserved. Not necessarily the defense, not really necessarily anyone, other than its head coach who makes the decisions, who makes the decisions on who starts and who does not. Kirk deserved that. And again, I don't dislike Kirk. I love Kirk, always will. But I'm calling balls and strikes here. And in my opinion, when you have 14 drives in a game and you only move the ball across midfield one time out of 14 drives, like Iowa did on their opening drive of the game, they gained 70 yards also on that opening drive. And for the game, they had 127. So they only had 57 yards of offense, 57 yards of offense over the final, I don't know, time of possession on that first drive was 425. So 57 yards of offense over the last 50 and a half minutes of game time. That's horrible. Iowa has had worse offensive outputs than this. They lost 31 nothing to Penn State. Don't think they gained 100 yards, if my memory serves me correctly. They only gained 127 in this one. To me, this is, in, in, a, in a valley full of offensive lowlights over the past 
two years, maybe a little over two years from where Iowa was, you know, 6-0. and They beat Penn State in 2021. Uh, then the wheels fell off, and last year's offense was absolutely abysmal. This year's offense is somehow worse. And, yes, I know Cade McNamara is hurt. I know Eric Alls hurt. I know Luke Lachey is hurt. Other teams have hurt players, too. Wisconsin lost their starting quarterback last week. They rallied to beat uh, Illinois on the road uh, on Saturday. So all of them, everybody has to deal with adversity, okay? That's why you have three, four, five scholarship quarterbacks typically on your roster. So you can, you know, next man in. And what I'm about to say is not personal. None of this is personal coming from me. None of it. Um, Deacon Hill. He is just doing what he's asked to do. He's asked to go play, so he's going out there giving it his all, right? So having any angst and real true anger at Deacon Hill is misdirected anger and angst. But we can evaluate things from an X's and O's standpoint. Deacon Hill has little to no pocket awareness, he might be the worst quarterback trying to run the ball that Iowa has had in the Kirk Ferentz era. I think that he is. I don't even think it's a might. He is. He makes pre-snap decisions on where he's going to throw the ball, and he rarely comes off of those pre-snap decisions because he's not a good quarterback. His footwork is not good. His footwork is not good at all. And... He overthrows the ball more than 60% of the time. His release point is erratically inconsistent. But other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? I mean, folks, do, do, you feel, do you feel like you're being gaslit at all, like I do? I mean, we all watched Joe Labus in the bowl game against Kentucky, and Kentucky had a really good defense, by the way. And it wasn't an elite performance, but it was – a solid Iowa game-managing quarterback performance. It was a hell of a lot better than what we have seen from Deacon Hill. Hill came into this game with a 38% completion percentage on the season. And in this game, he was 10 of 28, and that completion percentage is 36%. So his completion percentage is going down. He throws one interception, and he has two fumbles. This is absolutely abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. And I am only watching this out of a lifetime of fandom. That's it. That's it. And frankly, man, it, it's getting a lot harder to watch. It's really hard to watch your team gain 127 yards against Minnesota. Minnesota's defense on this day, really salty. Iowa's running game lacked any imagination. Iowa has absolutely abandoned jet sweep aspects in their offense. They barely even show ghost motion. They don't do it. They don't do it. Today, they pretty much, most every run play that was called was called inside the tackles. Don't remember any sweeps. 
Um, there may be a bit, there may have been some plays that were designed to go outside off tackle. I don't recall off the top of my head. And maybe that's because Iowa's offensive line is just not athletic enough to do it, which is probably the reason why they're not running outside zone and they've gone more inside zone reliant and gap and trap and power. I mean, not a ton of power. Oh, either. This is, this is just an offense that is dead on arrival. It's dead on arrival. And this is a, this is a failure of recruiting it is a failure of development. It's a failure. And that ultimately rests on the shoulders of their head coach. And you should not lose a game when your opponent does not score a touchdown. Iowa did. In the second half, here were the stats. Iowa scored zero points. They gained 12 total yards. They had nine rushes for negative 0.9 yards uh, average. They, had, they, they rushed the ball for negative eight yards in the second half. That is not a misspoken statistic by me. They rushed the ball for negative eight yards in the second half. Passing in the second half, they were three of 15, 20 passing yards. They had two first downs in the second half. They were one of seven on third downs, and they ran a total of 24 plays. They averaged one half yard per play, and Minnesota had the ball for 20 minutes and 41 seconds, Iowa eight minutes and 19 seconds. And there was a point in the second half. It was in the fourth quarter. Iowa was leading 10 to 9 with 11 minutes and 57 seconds to go. And I tweeted, and, and Minnesota had just gotten the ball back. I tweeted that it seemed like Iowa was entering the find-out phase of the fuck-around-and-find-out game. The defense was absolutely gassed. Uh, at that point in time, Iowa had had four possessions in the second half. None of them lasted over 55 seconds. So they had the ball for about three minutes and 50 seconds to Minnesota having it for a shit ton more. And... Uh, they had zero total yards in the second half at that point in time. And Minnesota had several big plays on that drive, and they took the game-leading field goal that would stand. Iowa's ensuing drive after Minnesota took that 12-9 to lead, three plays, negative 18 yards. This was an absolute offensive abomination. And I was listening to a number of the Iowa Everywhere podcasts this week. Listened to Chris Hassel and Chris Williams, both of their podcasts. Listened to uh, legends and listeners and a number of them. And, you know, Chris Williams kept saying that Chris Hassel seemed really upbeat and positive this week. And Hassel's like, listen, I, I'm going to try not to be negative. You know, winning against Wisconsin is a big thing. Things like I said to start this. But... We all wondered how long the honeymoon would last. I wondered how long it would last for me. I even came into this week saying, maybe I just sit back, know what it is, and don't get worked up about it. But then they played this game, and this was horrible. This was atrocious. It was a train wreck. And this is the type of thing that if I'm an athletic director, I'm having a conversation with my football coach to find out the direction of the program. To find out, coach, because I'm, I'm his boss, 
you know, I know that technically football coaches, you know, they have the kingdoms, but the athletic director is still the boss or the, you know, the board of regents, whatever you want to say. I want to know. I want to know, Kirk, we don't have any cameras in here. We don't have any media in here. Why are you playing Deacon Hill, who I think, what, had an offer from Fordham coming out of college or coming out of high school? He wouldn't play for Fordham right now. Deacon Hill might be the least capable starting quarterback at a power five university that I can recall. Um, you know, you can, if you want to debate that debate it with somebody else, I'm not really interested in having that particular debate. Deacon Hill is not it. Joe Labus can at least move his feet. Deacon Hill, even though he didn't necessarily wasn't a turnover machine prior to today, his passes were so horrible, they weren't even in a, a, an area where the defense could intercept them. Today, different story. Today, the, he could have turned the ball over four or five more times. So he doesn't, he's not ball security. You know, last year when a reporter asked Brian Ferentz, like, uh, have you considered putting in, you know, the, the uh, Alex Padilla over Spencer Petrus? And Brian Ferentz uttered the infamous, what's the upside? Folks, if there's no upside to putting someone else in over Deacon Hill, they should all be fucking fired tomorrow. Just being honest. There's no excuse for that. And I am not a proponent of players transferring in the middle of the season or quitting in the middle of the season unless there's things going on in a program uh, that are, you know, adversely affecting their mental health. It's a horrible environment. And I don't think those things are happening at Iowa. So I'm not advocating for that because, you know, you've built relationships with your teammates over multiple years. You can't walk out on your boys like that. So I'm not advocating that Joe Labus like packs his shit up and just as a student for the next two months and then gets the hell out of town because he's going to be leaving at the end of the semester, barring some type of miraculous situation where he's the starting quarterback after the bye week. If he's not the starting quarterback for the Minnesota game as Iowa has a bye week next week, if Joe Labus is not the starting quarterback, for Northwestern, if I was him, it would be hard to stay. It would be very hard to stay because you're sitting there watching someone ahead of you who's playing as bad as a starting quarterback at a Power 5 uh, program has ever played. It's a nightmare, and they're still not putting you in. Why go through the motions other than just hanging out with your boys? And I don't want to discount that. that. That is a big, big important thing. So if he stays, I'm not going to say he's an idiot. If he stays, I'll probably respect. I mean, that, that's, that's a good teammate. That's an amazing teammate. That's a guy you want in your foxhole. And if he leaves, it doesn't mean he's not a guy you want in your foxhole because I'd understand it. Because what we're seeing out of the quarterback position for Iowa it, it is, to me, unfathomable. If you would have told me that the numbers, just reading them off of Iowa's quarterback play following last year. I mean, the, last year's passing... 
I mean, I thought it was couldn't get any worse than 2007 or 2012 or 2022. And here we are in 2023 and it's worse. And it's even compoundedly worse because the era of offensive football that we are now in. This is horrible. Iowa's offense in their Rose Bowl season back in 1981 was really bad. Gordy Bohannon wasn't a great quarterback. Um, you know, his backup was a Pete Gale. He was not a great quarterback. Iowa's offense in 1981 was horrible by contemporary standards. At the time, even, it wasn't good, but it was a lot better relative to the contemporary of the time than Iowa's offense is right now. Iowa's offense right now relative to the time we're in is horrible. Iowa's offense right now relative to 1960 would probably be lower half, if not worse. This is, this is horrible. There's no excuse for this. And... Again, some of you are saying, well, they should have won the game. You know, Cooper DeGene's touchdown should have stood, John. They should have won. They should have been 7-1. and one. They're only 6-2. and two. What do you want? I want to be entertained. I want to be entertained. All week long, all that I saw and heard in the real world were horrifying images out of Israel, Horrif- more horrifying images out of Gaza. Pure, nothing but sadness and tragedy and human loss. And it's just so tragic and sad and pointless. I want my Saturdays and Sundays, if I have my choice and my druthers, to be entertaining. Just entertain me. Even if you lose, entertain me. I tune into sports to be entertained. I think most of you do as well. We tune in to be entertained. This is not entertaining. This is being forced every single Saturday to attend your second cousin's wedding that you really don't, you know, you've known him all your life. You don't really have any ongoing relationship with him at this point in time, but you're forced to keep attending the same wedding or, or something I tweeted in the first half. This is like if you've seen the movie A Clockwork Orange when they do that, uh, you know, that, that mental torture therapy where they have the actor's eyes held open with some type of medical device so he can't blink and they're putting in eye drops just to keep his eyes, um, you know, moist and they're forcing him to watch these images on the screen that are trying to cure him of his violent past. This is like being in that chair with your eyes forced open, but you're forced to watch Caddyshack 2 every weekend for four hours and you can't get away. Horrible. Worst ever sequel of all time. This is not entertaining anymore. This is drudgery. And I know what many of you are thinking right now. Well, John, don't watch. And we're getting there. We're getting close. We're getting close. Um, Iowa football has been family for 43 years. I want them to win every time they came out. But I will be honest, I am not, I'm not disappointed with the outcome given what transpired during the game. Had that Cooper DeGene touchdown stood, I would have been happy for the players. Always and forever, I will be happy for the players, and I want what is in the best interest of the players. So I wanted that to stand. But since it didn't, maybe this turns out to be something that forces Kirk to make some changes. And I've said things in previous seasons like this, and they didn't really come to pass. 
I said starting the 2020 season when Iowa started 0-2 that I thought Kirk was at risk of losing the locker room. They didn't. They won the rest of their games that year in the COVID year. So I certainly am not saying any of this as a prediction because that football has been pulled away from Lucy way too many times. But I am saying that if we go through this bye week, I mean, Iowa doesn't play a football game for two weeks. Joe Labus has started and won a football game for you before. He took a lot of snaps last December. Now, injuries certainly hurt him and hurt his progression. But, and I'm not at practice, but I have a hard time imagining that Joe Labus, who the coaching staff middle early part of last year when Joe was on the scout team the number of things I heard from people that had talked directly with coaches whom I know and trust and I know they weren't lying and making it up the number the the amount of high praise that was being heaped onto Joe Labus by people who attended practice and some coaches who talked to people um, to now they don't pull Deacon Hill after what we just saw I guess I don't know what is up and what is down anymore. I just know that what we saw today against Minnesota cannot continue, cannot see that again. They can't put Deacon Hill out of there, out there again. How can you not risk losing your locker room? And it's not just Deacon's fault, and I'm not trying to pile on Deacon, although I probably have. It's not personal, Deacon. I'm sure you're a great human. I wish you nothing but the best. You're just not a Big Ten quarterback. And the fact that he's being asked to go out there, this is the Peter principle at at play, being promoted beyond your core competency level. Deacon Hill isn't a Big Ten starting quarterback. Yet for Iowa, he goes, I mean, there's been enough evidence to make a change. And I used to believe that, all right, well, the reason Deacon's playing is because the backup sucks. You know, last year, Alex Padilla came in, and he really didn't do all that much better than Spencer Petras. And maybe Joe Labus comes in, and he doesn't do a whole lot better than Deacon Hill. That doesn't mean it's their fault. It means it's this goddamn system's fault. This system that's just super hard for everybody to come in and learn. This Iowa offense that's so complicated, everybody said, we've heard it for years, this offense is just really complicated. That's why freshmen don't play. When freshmen are playing all over the gosh dang country, all the time. But Iowa's system is too complicated, and this is the fucking year-in, year-out offense that we see? Are, this, this is like a joke. It's a joke. It's just not fun anymore. Maybe it is for you, and I'm speaking solely for myself, okay? Maybe it is for you. And if it is, boy, I don't think I'd ever really want to hang out with you because we have a very different definition of fun. I don't really know the point in going through these statistics. I don't really know the point in talking about anybody else individually in this game. Um, Iowa had the inside track to go to Indianapolis and represent the Big Ten West, which this is as bad as the Big Ten West has ever been. One of the worst Power Five divisions uh, ever. 
and Michigan beat Minnesota 52 to 10, and I realize that transitive property and all that doesn't necessarily always play out the th- way you think it will, but this year, I think it would. If Iowa still makes it to Indianapolis, oh, whew, that might I might have to find something else to do that night because that would be a punishment. But now Iowa has four games, so if they have a bye, then they're at Wrigley Field against Northwestern, home against Rutgers, who pounded Indiana today, uh, home against Illinois, and then at Nebraska. None of those teams remaining is a juggernaut. Rutgers, quite frankly, I think can cause Iowa some problems. Um, do they, you know, if Iowa wins all four of those games, I mean, let me go look at Minnesota. You know, Minnesota's two and two in the Big Ten. So Minnesota has the head to head advantage over Iowa now. Um, let's see what Minnesota's schedule is the rest of the way. They play against Michigan State next week, then against Illinois at home at Purdue. Well, they play at Ohio State. So they're going to lose a third game and then they close things out with Wisconsin but I'm just man Iowa had the hammer and uh now well it's back open a little bit Wisconsin is three and one now we all know or believe they're going to lose to Ohio State so I think the best they would do is seven and two and if Iowa doesn't lose another game then Iowa goes to the Big Ten uh championship game so long as Minnesota doesn't lose another game if Minnesota if Minnesota wins out and Wisconsin loses to Ohio State, Minnesota will be the Big Ten West champion, but I don't think Minnesota's going to win out. Anyway, folks, bye week next week. I'm sure you'll enjoy a break from uh, negative Nancy here. Um, Go out and have some fun. I'm going to turn cable news off this week. I don't want to see any more sadness. And you're going to watch the NFL. Going to play a little golf. Maybe we all need a little refresh. Maybe the bye week is good for each and every one of us. Y'all have a great weekend. Take care. Okay, we now welcome into the Channel Seed Studios, my man Chad Winterbor. This is Hawkeye Sunday, presented by Keller Manufacturing. Iowa loses 12-10 to Minnesota. American East Farmers game. What do you think? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to start off today talking about that. Um, harvest is wrapping up for a lot of farmers now. Hopefully everybody's still being safe, but Channel just wants to say thank you to to all of our customers, all of the farmers out there across the country, and especially the state of Iowa who who make our state what it is, quite frankly. Um, you just listen to an Iowa and Iowa State game and you hear how big the influence of agriculture is in our state with all the advertisements and so just again, thank you to all farmers, everybody in agriculture, quite frankly, for all you do for all the rest of us. Absolutely. So let's get into it. I mean, I was offense did not look great yesterday. What do you think? Well, we, we've been talking about this every single week, it feels like. And I think last week I said, all Deacon Hill needs to do is just not turn the ball over. Normally, most games, I think the rushing attack will get them just enough to help them move the ball. You get one or two long runs, you get a touchdown, and that's about all the defense and special teams needs. Um, But they didn't get the rushing attack yesterday, and Deacon turned it over three times. Your margins are so thin already with as bad as this offense is that you just cannot turn the ball over. And and I think that's ultimately the story of the game, not so much the the, – controversial call at the end let's talk about the controversy it sounds like it was just a weird call i think per the rule book they made the right call but i'm not 100 percent sure on that what do you think 
Yeah, it kind of seems like most of the talking heads agree that they made the right call. But as a fan, that one is really hard to swallow, obviously, because mm-hmm. we hardly ever have seen anything like that. Um, I think we all know that he was trying to wave off his teammates. But, um, I mean, if that's the rules, that's the rules. But, again, I just I think we can get too caught up on that one call. It's too easy of a thing to get worked up about. Um, and the reality of the situation is the offense absolutely has to improve and it has to get better and you cannot turn the ball over or they're going to potentially face an issue like this in another game. And it, it, it could cost them the West title if they, if they don't get it cleaned up. So Iowa heads another bye week. You think we'll see any changes back at quarterback? I highly doubt it. I mean, when you listen to Kirk Ferentz's reaction to press conferences, um, I would be shocked if he makes a change. Um, the only thing not, is, his, his point was, Deacon Hill wins games, Deacon Hill doesn't turn the ball over. That's very true, and we've seen Kirk um, pull guys for turning the ball over, so it could happen. I just, I will be surprised if they make a change at this point. Um, I think they're just obviously going to try to address it in, in this week, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in changes being made with this offense, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Chad, that's all we have time for. Thank you for your time as always. This has been Hawkeye Sunday, presented by Keller Manufacturing from the Channel Seed Studios. We'll see you next time. Iowa everywhere.